ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Hot Dogs and Caviar. Uh, we have a special treat for you again, uh, because we are on to our absolute favorite format of episode, the episodes where we have the uh, great Tarver Super King King in to uh, talk to us. Say What's hi. up? Yeah, we got TK. So hi, guys. So, so uh, hi. Obviously, he was uh, Nate and I's uh, a very special combination that you don't always get of mentor and friend where he taught us oh. but he also was us like it was one of those things where like while he was on the one hand absolutely showing us the way uh of how to just think like a chef and be like a chef at the same time uh was not some ivory tower dickhead passing his wisdom down but one of us down in the trenches and so as there are many of those we 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 love him we revere him he is the best he is so funny and he's so easy to scare like you can if he i'm gonna bear hug the shit out of you man (laughs) (laughs) i love you dude (laughs) if he's he's chopping something you can walk up behind him and he'll be in the zone he will not notice you oh god damn it like a steel six pan and just drop it behind him he will jump a foot in the air it is the best thing in the world. Yeah. I'm like, ah! oh, that's great. <laughs> so, so yeah, it was so much fun when you did like that. He's like a cat, you know, dig his nails into the ceiling. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Tarver, if you're a line cooks, if you're a line, and cooks, it works every time, every time. <laughs> if you're a line cooks, you're listening. TK, if your line cooks are listening, it's important for them to know that if, if they tell you that someone wrote gold yeah. on the ceiling, you'll be like, wait, what? <laughs> oh, my God. That reminds me of a story. Oh, crap. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so, Thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tarver's Cooks, email us, and we will tell you other stuff that I'm not even willing to say with him on the air. <laughs> I'm... I'm like gonna like destroy myself here, but like I am terribly gullible. Do you remember when Spencer prank called me from Relais Chateau? Yeah. <laughs> Before my. This is not a funny story we had talked about telling, but like no, no, he okay. called this me. Is, this is so much better. Do this. This one. is so much better. He called me and. The thing is, he was using, when I look back, he was using his normal voice. He didn't change his voice at all to prank call me. And I, he said later on, he was like, I just assumed he would get that it was a prank call within the first five seconds, and then we just kept going. But he called me, and <laughs> he said, uh, you know, this is, I don't know, Tom or whatever from Relay Chateau. And I was like, oh, shit. Uh, and he was like, I just wanted to contact you personally. You know, you guys have been doing some amazing work over there. Congratulations on getting Relay Gourmand again. Um, and part of celebrating what you guys do, like we're doing some charity work. And we wanted to utilize your kitchen table for a function uh, for, you know, special needs kids. And I was just like, oh, shit. Yeah, man. Uh, of course. I didn't say, oh, shit. Yeah, man. But I was like, of course, you know, we'd be happy to and all that kind of stuff. And uh, he's like, look, I just need you to understand that these kids are very challenged. And I was like, oh, yeah, go okay, no problem. Um, you know, it's not something we've really dealt with in the past, to be perfectly honest. But, you know, we're willing to do whatever we need to do. And he was like, no, 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 you don't understand. These kids are, like, really challenged. Like, I'm, we're talking about, like, I need you to possibly, you know, help feed them. And I was like, 
huh, um, yeah, okay. I, I, I'm in my head, I'm like, this is really Chateau, this is really Chateau, really Chateau. It's like, you know, I was like, of course, you know, sir, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do whatever it takes. You know, this is the Woodlands, we'll do whatever it takes. And he's like, you know, we, you'll need to be at the table, cutting their food for them, <laughs> feeding them, you know, wiping their faces, all this kind of stuff. I was just like, holy shit. In my head, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And then I'm like, it's really Chateau. I just have to say yes. And I was like, we'll do whatever it takes. I'd be happy to, you know, I'm going to do all this kind of stuff. And like Spencer's like, Tarver. I was like, fuck you, Spencer. Fuck you. God damn it. Got me. So damn gullible. He did He did the same thing again about coming to get the, the ceiling tiles cleaned and all, about dating Noreen in high school and all this kind of stuff. And I believed him in too. He's awful. Okay, okay, Tyler. Okay, there was one day where I was having a bad day. I got up and I I was super super hungover because I got up the night before and I couldn't find my keys. <laughs> I'm running all over my apartment. I'd like the thing is, of course, I, I wasn't gonna be late. I just wasn't gonna be four hours early like I usually was because you know, like you put me on, <laughs> you put me on at two. I'm gonna come in at ten. I did that every day. Yeah, and so I'm like. Tearing ass around my house looking for my keys. I cannot find them. And then you called, but I didn't know it was you. And uh, I, I was already like, I was already off balance because I couldn't find my keys. And I really wanted to go to work because I was, <laughs> you know, because I went to work four hours early. It's kids at home that used to be a thing. Like if you were a line cook, you, yeah. up, you used to, like if you were a line cook at a top place, you showed up four hours early because you wanted to see stuff that was not on your station. Uh, and, you know, eventually cooks, cooks are just less hard now than we were back then. Uh, you're all a bunch of young, useless whippersnappers. We rule. Anyway, so uh, I'm, I'm tearing it. <laughs> I can't true. find them. And then uh, it's true. It's sad, but true. And uh, my phone rings and Tarver calls in his um, best uh, sort of effeminate queen voice. It's like, hey, is Jesse there? I was like, uh, yeah. He's like, <laughs> he's like, uh, I'm, I-, I met you at the club last night. And I was like, and in my head, I'm like, who did I meet? Like, <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> Tarver couldn't have known. I knew you wouldn't remember what happened the night before. Yeah, that's, you, nailed, you nailed it. So I was like, she's, he's like, you know, we met at Dudley's. And I didn't know. I just moved to town like two months before, so I didn't know Dudley's was a gay bar. But I figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I've since <laughs> I've since spent many happy days in Dudley's. Uh, but I was just like, uh, what? It's like, Dudley's. Uh, I was like, wait, who? He's like, that was you, right? Stocky fellow. And I was like. <laughs> Stocky fellow. I was like, yeah. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. And then finally, finally he cracked. And he's like, ah! <laughs> uh, and he's like, look, we're Is super, Jesse there? We're super slow. We don't need you today. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I think, <laughs> honestly, I wasn't even stoked about getting the day off. I kind of needed the hours. I was just excited that I could stop looking for my keys. I was like, <laughs> but uh, but for, for a moment, for a moment, a good, a good crank call catches you off guard. For a moment, it was completely plausible to me that I had made friends with and <laughs> accidentally led on 
some random gay guy because that's the kind of thing that happens to me. Like, I was just like, yeah, we probably, we probably had a connection. <laughs> And I wasn't like, <laughs> like I'll make friends with someone and not even realize. We probably friends. fell in love last night. Right. I'm like, I'll make I'll make friends with someone and not even realize I've led them on. I'm like, I just thought we were talking. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you had me hook, line, and sinker. Uh, another another gullible moment is uh do you remember when um Dale Hold his BMW up to the back dock and left his keys in the car. And you, yeah, we moved it. And you just drove it down the block and he lost his mind. He thought somebody <laughs> stole it. <laughs> and you, 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 that was you, a nice car. You were like, mm-hmm. yeah, I saw Donnell back there. And Donnell had not been in the Woodlands kitchen in months. You were like, I saw Tadell back there. He goes, Tadell yeah. stole my car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he lost his mind. He was like, fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fun because he's normal. That was a nice Beamer. Oh, it was. It was a Z3. <laughs> but like, it's so yeah. funny when you get somebody that's just like fussy as Dale, like who is normally so composed. So when you make him lose his mind, <laughs> it's worth bonus points. You're like, ah, <laughs> yeah. oh, he's going to have an aneurysm. <laughs> hey, Jesse. Is that Kobe sushi bar still there? I don't think so. No, it's gone. That sucks. Do you remember when Jerry staged there? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, they did, they he wanted to work with Mr. Happy, and they had him do hibachi stuff, like peeling shrimp. <laughs> But I remember he's like, I don't want to peel. I don't want to peel shrimp. <laughs> but Jerry staging there was how we learned about QP. It is. You're absolutely right. Because is he really? said, like, no, that's he learned that the dynamite sauce, the stuff that they put in the uh, the, the dynamite sauce they put in the spicy dinner roll, was QP and sriracha. And he he came and told us about QP. That was right after I started working there. I remember going to the Asian market and buying buying it and being Tarver like, "Holy crap!" Me about it before, yeah, uh, maybe not though. I I think we knew about it, but I don't think we realized it was QP and sriracha mixed together in a sauce. But I, I think that's what it was. I think we didn't realize that it was like uh, that heavily. Yeah, because we had spent. Uh, I think before you got there, Jesse. I remember working with Nate trying to figure out the recipe for QP and like. We knew that it was just, you know, a basic mayonnaise with MSG, but there is something else to it. Sure? I don't know if you I ever re- really cracked re- it. No, I remember no. that happening. I remember being there for that. So I, 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 I maintain oh, really? I'm really pretty sure that Jerry was the one that introduced me. I trust your memory over yeah, mine I any be- day. I believe because you, dude. <laughs> yeah. We, we, yeah. We, that's, uh, that's, we that's were how. just doing stuff at break. We were doing stuff at breaks next speed, man. We were constantly tinkering. Like, do you remember how, how many times yeah. we worked on KFC, the KFC flour? Uh-huh. I still use it now, man. Have you, have you ever had uh, a wild mushroom? Either, um, it's sulfur shelf, but known as like chicken of the woods. Um, have you ever used that? Yes. No. Dude, yes, dude, so good. That KFC flour, like we we would pressure cook the mushroom with like kombu and garlic, the old school you know snack food trick that you know 
the combination of strong umami and garlic tricks your brain into thinking it's meat. So we would cook uh, chicken in the woods with like tons of kombu and garlic and then dredge it in that KFC flour for like, it was fucking awesome on its own. We used it for like little snacks, but like whenever we had like vegans, they would, they would pull us aside and be like, this is not mushroom. This is meat. Like I'm pissed. And we would be like, I swear to God, it's a fucking mushroom. And we'd have to like to bring the mushrooms out over and over and over because people would not believe that it was a mushroom. Like it was, it was nuts. That KFC flour is still, still, I don't think it's like spot on with KFC, it's, but it's damn it's really good. really close. Yeah, it is really damn close. good. Yeah. Yeah. I, do you ever work with a pressure fryer? I've never worked with a um, pressure fryer. Um, well, no. They bought one. They bought one at Miss Rose's and I never got to use it, but I help like kind of recommend that they should get one. Me and my buddy Holmes. Yeah. Um, they 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 are the shit. They're that awesome. is that is the fried chicken That's the key. trip. Yep. They're insanely good. Have you ever fried chicken in tallow, it's like straight beef fat? Yes. Dude, yes. chicken. Uh, if, so like we worked on some fried chicken things back in the woodlands. Uh, Nate Shapiro and I have been doing more. Have you ever um, brined in – so we had this fried chicken, so we brined with shio koji. Um, we used the KFC flour. Uh, we thickened buttermilk with carrageenan, um, dredged the chicken, let the flour get wet, dredge one more time, print, and then fry in tallow. God damn it, it was awesome. And the one thing that we wanted to, to kind of add on to that was like using a pressure fryer. And I've never been able to get my hands on one ever. And like that, we they're so expensive and they take up so much space. They're huge. We had one yeah, of those only but the, like, there's only like industrial sized ones that I know of. Yeah, but the like, results are amazing. They have, be, they have to be tough as nails to pressurize grease. Believe it or not. Yeah. But, uh, we had, we speaking had of KFC, Good. I was saying we have one. We have one at Wendy's. I used to work Mm -hmm. like when I was eighteen. I worked at a Wendy's. It was maybe my first restaurant job. It was either my first or my second. It's hard to, it's hard to say at that point. That's a long time ago. But we had we at Wendy's. They had a pressure fryer for the spicy chicken sandwiches. Uh Do you think they still have pressure fryers? Because I feel like the security at Wendy's is pretty lax. Your Honor, (laughs) we did. Stealing is the strong word. We like to use rescuing. We rescued the pressure fryer from Wendy's for um, our experiments. Our, <laughs> our security was extremely lax. Like, there was no alarm or anything. So, um, uh, however, on the other hand, we are currently on a public forum discussing larceny. So, real quick, we're playing a role-playing oh, yeah. game. We're playing a role-playing game. Where we're, <laughs> we're, pretending, we're pretending to be unscrupulous chefs that would steal from Wendy's. Uh, we're not chefs. I I work at a I work on the board at a local charity. Uh, Tarver is uh, he works at the he works at the car wash. Stop using my name. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, D'Artagnan works at the car wash. D'Artagnan. D'Artagnan. And the other one, uh, I think his name is Lenny Dykstra, and uh, he uh, he definitely works as a. Uh, he works as a custodian at the local adult video store. Uh, none of us are chefs, and none of us would ever steal a uh, a uh, fryer. We're playing a role playing game. 
Well, let's get back to the game. I totally would. So anyway, I would totally speak, steal a fresh speaking fryer. Of, speaking of KFC, you got you guys probably already know this, but in case some of the listeners don't, like you guys are aware of like how Colonel Sanders like revolutionized like how to deep fry things. Like as you guys know, it's a pain in the ass to like deep fry at home on a burner because everything falls to the bottom and burns. Like yeah. him and um. Lord Winston from uh, Winston CVAP ovens, he commissioned him. He was an inventor, I think, in Canada, and he invented, like, had him help invent, like, a fryer with the reservoir in the bottom. So all the the frying pieces can go to the. Yep. No shit. I didn't know that. Dude, he came up with the fryer with the reservoir on the bottom. The reservoir on the bottom is a game changer. yeah. Then they invented the pressure fryer and then they invented the CVAP, which was invented to hold crispy and moist chicken all day. Dude, I didn't know that. Yeah, fucking see, dude. God damn, that's awesome. I didn't know that. That's, that's CVAP that ovens were invented rad. for KFC. Wasn't the Colonel racist? Probably. Oh, probably. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, wait, wasn't the, well, wasn't the old white guy from Kentucky racist? It all, it all. <laughs> I have no idea, yeah. but just play on the numbers. Yes, yes, he was. Well, well, thank you for the fryer technology, sir. Yeah, go die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Guarantee. That's awesome, man. Guarantee. He was like eighty in the eighties. <laughs> if he was, <laughs> if he's alive, yeah, that's he just impressive. went around. To, he would just went around to gas stations and tried to get people to sell his chicken and. And really came up from gas stations for at first yeah man some pretty cool things come out of gas stations you don't knock gas station fried chicken like i i was i was in kenner louisiana and kenner is scott's barbecue it's outside of outside of outside of new orleans and uh, the thing is uh, i need a new tire and the wait in new orleans was eight hours i was like wait your wait is eight hours and they were like yep i'm like okay so so screw that and i called a different tire king out in Kenner, it was like a 15 mile drive away, and they're like, Yeah, we'll get you in a right different now. kingdom. Yeah, I was like, Get you in right now. So I had I to go to there. a completely different kingdom. <laughs> so I was in Kenner, Louisiana, which is out I 10, out west, uh, west of New Orleans, uh, past, past Metairie, not quite to Baton Rouge. Uh, and uh, I, I'm in the tire place, and it's like 11 30 in the morning, and I'm like, Hey man, is there a place around here I can get some lunch? Just you know, and he's and the guy goes, we always go to the speedy station across the street. And I was like, I almost rolled my eyes because it was like a speedy station. Great. And he's like, he's, and he saw the look on my face and he goes, nah, man, their fried chicken is good. And I was like, okay. <laughs> this really, like these, these redneck tire guys, this is where they go. So I walked across the street to the speedy gas station, kick ass fried chicken. Like, <laughs> and this, I mean, really? That's where I learned that gas stations in Louisiana have good food. Like not just, not even like hot dogs. You know, like no, nine times out of 10, you can, get, you can get a decent hot dog at a gas station, at least if it's like during normal business hours. Like if it's after dark, you're, you're not gonna get it. Yeah. Like if it's during the day, you get a hot dog or a Bahama Mama sausage or a taquito or something. Nah, nah, in Louisiana, gas stations have menus and they rule. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah i've heard gas stations in louisiana have world-class delicious food it's world-class delicious food and it's like six bucks for six bucks i got a half it's a like, fried it's chicken. like street food in like singapore Egg. and shit like that. i was just about to say that it's like street food they for driving 
instead yeah, of walking. So I, I got, you know, I, yeah, I, I, I spent, I spent, they don't screw around I, I six dollars for a half a chicken. Oh, no, not, I mean, in New Orleans, it's a little more expensive, but just outside of New Orleans, where you want to go. I spent six dollars on a half a fried chicken, and I spent another two dollars on a tall boy of Bud Ice, and I sat on the curb and ate awesome fried chicken and drank cheap, shitty beer and waited for my tire to get fixed. And it was a pretty good day. I learned something about cuisine that day. I learned you don't judge. There's a... Like, you don't judge. You just, you, like, if that's if that's where the working guys get their food, it's probably pretty good. <laughs> There's a couple gas stations up here that do some good stuff, man. There's a Thai restaurant in a gas station up here in Leesburg that's strongly decent. And there's like a couple gas stations up here that do fried chicken too that are fucking awesome man i'm, I'm down with it dude we've, i think it's awesome we've got a korean restaurant in a gas station over here that is yeah. excellent dude i love korean food did you see that video i just sent you the ufo burger in south korea i i, I, I mean feel, I, feel I, like I, you have I, to I, specify no, south korea <laughs> I, I, got, I, I got it but it was right as i was starting this meeting up so I they're the good it. guys right yeah south korea <laughs> It's yeah, it's like a, it's it's like a, almost like a, I don't want to say a cross between a waffle press or an able skeever kind of thing, but it, you know they basically make a burger inside like a, whoa, a they whoa, press whoa, 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 whoa. like two thick just, bones and press it down. Just, you can't just toss a word off like able skeever and not tell me what you're talking about because I have no idea. What was that? It's in that video. So, so it's like a, it's you called a UFO burger. It looks as like this. As this, as this meeting was starting, you sent me a video. I was not able to watch it. I was starting the video going. Well, all right. So I'm telling you now. Then. <laughs> okay. It's. It looks like it's kind of like a. It might even be like a franchise kind of thing down there because it looked kind of. Uh, you know, they had like these. It's UFO burger, and the press looks like um like a a, a sphere. But like they put a bun, burger, cheese, but, but it's in South Korea, so they had like, you know, ho- it looked like hoisin and, you know, onions, all this kind of cool stuff. Um, they did a couple versions in that video with like a fried egg and cabbage, whatever. But they put, they put the two buns on like QP mayonnaise, all that kind of stuff, and then press it. But inside it's like a spherical shape. So the bun seals the burger inside. It looks like a, like a, a, a round apple pie from mcdonald's that's not a good example like it looks like a round burger but it's like encapsulated so you cut into it and like inside this round bun that's like toasty and like crusty on the outside is like burger on the inside it looked yeah. fucking awesome i just it saw it like, like a, right before it i sent like you souffle with a burger inside that's a better analogy that that's yeah it looked just like that it was fucking awesome i that's awesome. That's all well and good, but you used the word able skeever, and I don't even know what you were saying. Like, what? What is that word? Oh, oh do you not know what an able skeever is? That's what I'm trying to communicate. Yes. Oh, guys. Oh, um, uh, what are those things called? Um, and it, basically, an able skeever is like a, um, it's almost like a crepe batter. It's a Danish pastry, but the okay. pan you use to make it is like demisphere, like it's a half spherical shape. And you pour this like crepe batter, like traditional. So you pour this batter in, but it's like it's like a crepe batter, but it has like whipped egg whites in it, so so it has like some leavening to it. Little puff. And just like a um, yeah, and you just kind of like rotate it in the pan, and it forms like a sphere. And then like it would get filled with apple preserves or something like that, and then like dusted in powdered sugar. Okay. Traditionally. Okay. Okay. But like no one. They used to have something like that on the on the menu down the street at Park Cafe. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, and Noma did like a savory version in one of their books. 
with like, and it had like a sardine, like a fried or a crispy sardine go or anchovy going through it. I don't know if you remember that. Okay. With like, and it had like a they used like um, uh, vinegar powder, so it was like kind of salt and vinegar kind of thing. That was like a savory version. What I'm, my my brain is not working. In Japan, they do something similar with octopus, and they you know douse it with hoisin and, and mayonnaise and bonito. I've um, seen, uh, why I, is my brain going blank? I've seen the octopus balls that they have in Japan, but those are those are in like um, in mochi, right? Like it's like a, a round ball. Like they 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 pack like ground rice around a piece of octopus and then deep fry it. So it looks like a, it's a basically like an arancini, but a Japanese takoyaki. Takoyaki, that's right. Yeah, it's takoyaki. It, takoyaki is like the Japanese version of a you know it, it's done the same way as an able skewer in like demi sphere molds. Right, but it's like a pan. Okay, yeah, awesome. Uh, okay, well, that, dude, you need to get one of those pans for real. In Germany, for like a New Year's Eve uh, traditional thing, they eat something called Olibolen. Fucking cool story behind it, Olibolen. Like you're supposed to. There's a there's a wicked demon called Percha that every on the New Year's Eve comes out and like slices your belly open with an axe so you would eat these you know greasy donuts to get grease all over yourself so her axe would slide off and you wouldn't die germany germany's fairy tales are dark 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 <laughs> <laughs> but um it's like a Ooh. it's like a yeasted savory donut called olibolen and um we used to mess around with it like uh, for like we would do these new year's eve menus like based off of like superstitions and traditions and that kind of thing um and we did olibol in, in an able skewer pan, so it was like a perfect sphere, and then like fill it with cheese and do truffle or something. I don't know, like uh, all kinds of stuff. That sounds awesome. Yeah, get, uh, dude, I found an able skewer pan at a Goodwill for two dollars because no one knew what it was, no one knew what the hell to do with it. They thought it was like I don't, I, I don't know. Like when I when I bought it, they're like, "What the hell kind of pan is this?" And I was like, "It's an able skewer pan." <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is cool. <laughs> concentrating. Okay, concentrating. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you for the expertly laid down segue. Uh, this brings us to the meat of today's conversation. Uh, we are going to talk about concentrating. Uh, and that that is our theme. And uh, so we're going to spend the next I don't know half hour or so uh, discussing discussing concentration, concentration of flavors. Concentration of energy, concentration of mind. So, uh, Trevor, this is your idea. Yeah. Take it away. I, I thought of it because the last episode you were talking about um, it, uh, when we were talking about truffle oil and how they used truffle ester to make truffle oil. And I, I believe it was during the time of the Woodlands when we did some reading. It might have been um, Cook's Illustrated that we read about this about how wine has like a multitude of esters, and when you, if you were to boil wine to reduce it. You kill almost all of them, you know, or it makes it bitter, all that kind of stuff. And um, we tried reducing the temperature that we would reduce spirits, and the flavors were ten thousand times better. And you right. got like in if you're reducing Chardonnay that had like oaky, buttery, popcorn, grassy notes to it. If you let it reduce without a single bubble, you know, like well, what the French call fermier, where it's just kind of steam evaporating over a multitude of hours, we ended up with a concentrated syrup that tasted like that, you know, popcorn, butter, grassy notes. I think it's worth noting that when you're boiling something out, if you're taking a wine and boiling it down, and the vapor that's coming off smells like the wine. 
and that's a sure yeah. shot. Like all that you're smelling, all that's going in your lungs, that used to be in the wine, and now it's not. That's that's an interesting point. Yeah, I saw these guys doing these experiments where they were like almost like stilling. <clears throat> excuse me, where they you know reducing liquid, whether it was stock or wine or something and capturing the steam that came off, cooling it down and condensing into another container. So then you had the reduction and all the steam that came off and then reduced the steam and combined the two and all that kind of stuff. That's I thought super that was pretty cool. fascinating. Yeah, like distillation and fla flavor, the evaporation and distilling the flavor, like in Rotovaps, like you can take a yeah. bottle of bourbon and distill it down and like concentrate it and it'll taste like vanilla. Yeah. It's crazy. It's, it's crazy, crazy, man. And you also mentioned in the last episode using base, like, um, you know, making chicken stock and adding a small amount of chicken base to it. Nate, do you remember, I've only done this one time and it was so unbelievably good. And when you mentioned base, I was like, why the fuck have I not done that since? I think it was like your mom's trick or something, yeah, but like prime rib, your dad, yeah. you know what oh, I'm yeah, about yeah, to say. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I, I, Covering a prime... Go, go ahead. Covering a prime rib in beef base to roast it, dude, that was so stellar. That was it's unbelievably so good. good. I don't yeah. like beef base for much of anything, but that is clutch for prime rib and like a fuck that was good. Something, yeah, dude. Yeah, like, dude, a steamship exactly. Like I remember, that was such a really good trip. My evolution in cuisine was when I was very first starting out, I didn't know what base was, and I was like, if I saw stock in a recipe, I'd be like, whatever, too hard for me. Then a little bit further down the line, I was like, I saw stock in a recipe, and I was like, oh, just use base. And then a little bit further down the line, I was like, I would never use base. I am above base. <clears throat> a little bit after that, I was like, you know what? Base is pretty good. I'm going to sneak a little bit in there. Like... <laughs> I, I eventually came we, we, yeah we don't do it in the restaurant but for i don't know why because you know it does i don't know we just don't for more, i don't know why moral reasons i don't know but in my house like when i make chicken stock i put a little chicken base in it and it's fucking awesome you know chicken stock is something i mean stocks in general uh i'm, I'm sure you guys you know do you guys use pressure cookers regularly no i don't i, I i've just yes. not worked in a place with a large enough one um at home d's got an instapot but i haven't messed with them much but it's really just because i haven't had them like uh so it, you can get one for cheap um and it will send your broth stock game through the roof oh i remember you, you you went yeah. away you went away in stars places and came back and it was like okay we're gonna have pressure cookers all the time now it was all <laughs> the time Dude, uh, over the years, they are the best, man. I, I mean, I've bought, like, the really expensive kind for the restaurant, like the giant ones with, like, the knobs, you know, like 10 knobs around the lid and that kind of thing. But when those break, they're just so expensive. Honestly, dude, in the restaurants, we would just go to Walmart and get the Presto pressure cookers. They're, like, the 10 or 20 quarter, whatever it is. Cheap. And we would just blow – we would – I mean, they would last long for the amount of times that we were – I mean, they were running every single day, and they would last, like, five or six months. Mm -hmm. But as soon as they broke, you know, we just get a new one from Walmart. But man, they send your your broth game through the roof. Um, you know, we would do. You know, I know you know how you do like a chicken one or a chicken two or a chicken three stock 
where you, you know, yep. make chicken stock, and then you add fresh bones and make another stock, and then you add fresh bones. With that stock, stock instead of water, yep. Yeah, yep. so if you have like a small pressure cooker that, that comes up to heat in like no time, we would just fill it with bones, have another pot on standby, bring it up, bring it up to, to rattle, to pressure, and then to turn it off, pour it over the new bones. That was another thing that we learned at the Woodlands. It was like, um, for some reason, and I would love to learn the science behind this, when you cook, say, a beef or veal broth or stock, cooking it for a long period of time with the bones, you, you get a lot of flavor. Chicken stock, straight up, like on the stove, I found, we found that bringing it up to temperature, letting it simmer for like 20 minutes and stopping was so much stronger of a chicken flavor than letting it go all day long, like a veal or chicken broth. So that's, that's interesting. Like I was going to say like the important, like when you were talking about the reductions and like the mm -hmm. asters and stuff and wine, like the importance of a lid, like if your kitchen smells amazing, yes. like it's in your kitchen, yes. which is a great, it's a great place to work, but it's not in your food. Yes. And then the importance of like a pressure cooker and like the fit, the physics <laughs> of it is like, so the Maillard, the Maillard reaction happens yes. at between like 285 and like 350 right but that's at atmospheric pressure Keep if you're in a pressurized there. environment you can extract more <laughs> at lower atmospheric pressure and it's going to draw out more flavor yes. and moisture and especially like when you roast things and you get that flavor and you put it in the water and then we'll talk about like the solubility of ingredients yes. like you put it in like you stew it and then that pressure it, it it's like a full deeper extraction but it's the same amount of time it's the same btus it's the same heat yes but it's the pressure that just extract so much more flavor out of those cells and in the bones and the cartilage it's the god shit. i fucking love you nate yes 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 <laughs> i second and third that do you remember the super brother sure <laughs> do you remember that we when we the super brodo, you know, we were just talking about the Maillard yep. reaction and how it has like the a stronger stock, flavor. The super broth. The super stock. Yeah, it's, uh, it was, it was, it has, yep. they, they, does that come from the fat duck? Um, uh, I can't remember, but uh, super they stock. ground. I think picked that up from Bertoli. It was a Bertoli where they ground beef Maybe. or protein, browned the shit out of it. Not burnt, but just like super deep brown. So you had massive, it was just straight my yard like it was just like bits of my yard meat meat yeah and then large yeah just straight protein and then large amounts of onions um and in particular shallot and large amounts of star anise and oh, the, the my yard that was fat dog that was fat duck I it was that. yeah you came back from the my yard flavor one of this yeah yeah that's heston with the yeah. star anise yeah it could yeah. because star anise Onions and the brown, the Maillard reaction, all have levels levels of sulfur. So concentrating all those things together and reducing that stock is like the most concentrated thing I've ever had in my entire life. It's so, so good, so good. Another trick I learned from Heston Blumenthal, like a little trick that we may not have done when we were together, was um adding um dry milk powder to the bones that you're roasting, and it adds. Really? Protein. It adds additional proteins to um, what you're roasting, and it brings a little more to the party, kind of if you will. Really? The, the Maillard and the flavor reaction. It adds like more 
more depth and more proteins for it to react and brown um, with the Maillard reaction, like kind of like when you mayonnaise sear, like it uh, kind of uh-huh. adds a little more because there's a little more going on. He just dusts it a little bit with um, dry milk powder. Brilliant. I cannot wait to try that. On, on chicken, it's the shit. Do you add it like halfway through a roast or like at the end or the beginning the whole beginning. time? Like I haven't messed with it too much like at the different stages, but like just in the beginning when you're going to brown and it just adds a little more depth and a little more protein to what oh. it's it's sexy. But I wouldn't go too much. You don't want it to taste like milk either, but just a yeah. little, little, little dusting. Adds, Dude, that's awesome. Add the protein to it. It's really Dude. cool. And then it's like kind of a little malty and it gets a little more I was just more about like to say tea-tea. Yeah, that sounds unbelievably good. It not malted though, but eh, yeah. anyways, it's a good trick. Pork stock trick. Um, uh, you know, I'm sure you've had some good tonkatsu ramen, like the super porky, sticky kind of stuff. Uh, aside from using roasted hot dogs as bones, which is unbelievable, in addition to you know kombu and you know good you know uh, you're you gonna know, find hawks and that kind of thing. You're gonna find a lot of believers here. You are definitely not on reasonable ingredients and caviar. We are definitely uh, <laughs> we, 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 we are pro we are pro hot dog all day long. Oh yeah. Well, I'm I'm sure you tried like roasting hot dogs as bones in a pork stock with everything else is fucking unbelievable. Um, have you ever heard of a sausage? Yeah, it, it has two names. It comes from Virginia, um, either a Dan Doodle or a Tom Thumb. No, and no. I thought I knew everything about sausage, so apparently I don't. This is a – it's a rarity. Right it's a rarity. So, like, it, it's a sausage that was used like you would a smoked and cured hawk, like a pork hawk, ham hawk, or that kind of thing for, like, greens and collards. For like, flavor. It's, like, 50-50 um, pork – to fat ratio and it's nothing but salt and pepper in there sometimes garlic um but it's stuffed in a bun so it's like it looks like the size of you know those like cool old school provolones that like have like that hang yeah. to it you yeah. know what i mean but then those are smoked for hours and hours and hours so these are like these no like these bigger than softballs uh nugs of sausage that are like very salty very, very smoky, and then we use the sausage to flavor broths and stuff, like greens, just like he would a ham hock. And the resulting, but the thing is, is like after you're done cooking greens with a ham hock, the ham hock's good. It's great, you know, that's awesome. Oh yeah, the ham hock. The town thumb slash or Dan Doodle, depending on where you're coming from, holy shit, that sausage is good. Like cooking Dan Doodles for greens and then like using that sausage afterwards, oh. There, there, so there's a um, uh, a company called Edwards. It's a family-run business that's been around since, like, the settlers. I mean, you guys know Edwards hams? Yeah, they do the country ham. Yeah, they do. They did. Um, they do a, con- uh, didn't it burn down? It burned down, and um, they they yeah. are they slowly started to come back up. But they were the ones that were doing Dan Doodles um, that we were getting back in the day. Like we, we were scouring through their website and like talking to their sales reps and stuff. And he was, this guy was like, have you ever tried our Dan Doodle? And I was like, no, what is that? And then he gave me this whole history rundown. What did you call me? Yeah. <laughs> and he said, well, he sent one along cause we were getting hams from them like all the time. The wigwam ham is so cool, you know, and they're, they're long age hams. The Surianos were awesome. Uh, 
because they're from Surrey, Virginia. They're, they're really cool. Uh, but he sent one along, and I was like, send me a case of 50 Dandoodles immediately, sir. That was unbelievable. <laughs> this huge box of, like, these Dandoodle sausages, and then we were just like, whoa, this is so, this is so good. Um, I, I forget the whole point of this. so much fat in it. It's tons of fat, tons of salt, tons of pork, tons of smoky flavor. It's like, it's like using a like a ham hock can have a very um, rooted note of flavor that add, that adds to. Um, I don't know if you remember we used to make that red ham stock to do greens in back in the day. Yes, I remember. We basically use like yeah, we use like red wine like you would water, and we put tons of ham hocks. Um, garlic, peppercorns, all that kind of stuff. It was almost no water at all, and and slowly like steam reduced and infused it. It was red ham stock, and it was basically just like red wine, a splash of red wine vinegar, tons of ham hocks, garlic salt. I, everything I just said, I'm repeating myself. But we use that to like cook greens in and crucifers, and um, you know we use use that to cook belly, you know pork belly in before that came out awesome. Anyway, doing the red ham stock with Dan Doodles was way next level, man. Next level. It was so good. It's such a do it in the pressure cooker. Not, not the red ham stock because that would get too high. Yeah. Cause the esters, but, um, for, for pork broths. Yeah. So that was the most concentrated. We tried to figure out like the most porkiest of pork broths. And that was feet, uh, you know, the harder of the bones, like um, feet, uh, rib, neck, bones, um, roasted hot dog, kombu, um, and tan noodle sausages. And that was the stickiest, silkiest pork st- pork broth we've ever made. Have you ever heard of a sauce called uh, Sauce Robert? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Sauce Robert made with uh, what we call pork three um, was fucking gorgeous absolutely gorgeous like a just like liquid pig so uh, good way, for, for readers following along who don't actually have context for what sauce robert is uh it's a derivative sauce of brown sauce sauce espanol which basically uh these days gets translated as jus but it's a white wine shallot reduction mustard and jus so uh, uh or what, lemon juice and lemon juice? Oh yeah, that I'm, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure that's in the Escoffier, but that actually just do it. <laughs> Nate, and I, Nate and I already had a long talk about how Escoffier could take a long walk off a short pier, so uh, we we covered that. <laughs> <laughs> lemon juice is something to talk about too with concentrating, um, like bargoul. Speaking of old school French stuff, artichoke bargoul. Mm-hmm. Um, Barcool is like 50-50, like citrus juices and olive oil with tons of aromatics, uh, like, you know, like onions and garlic and herbs and stuff. Is this another fat duck thing? I feel like I'm talking too much about the fat duck, but they did an archo barcool for one of their fish courses that at the very last second, they finished with fresh lemon juice. They're like, yeah, we cooked them in lemon juice, but they were explaining how cooked citric acid is completely different than raw citric acid. And even like, and how, and this is something from Italy and Washington too, like when we did citrus reductions for, there's a, at the Italy and Washington, there was a lobster course that had a reduction of grapefruit and orange juice that, you know, was turned into like a bird blanc kind of thing. Um, and they're talking about how, yeah, it was really, really good with like the toasted orzo and all that kind of stuff. Um, but citrus juice, like orange juice, grapefruit, lemon, yuzu, whatever, 
uh, left till the next day, you would notice that the acidity level, or at least the perception of it, was stronger the next day. So, like the sweeter, you know, like fresh squeezed juice is very, very sweet. You know, as it as it sits, it starts to get the acidity level, or at least the perception of it, seems to get a little bit stronger. So, that same mindset, slowing down the reduction of of, of citrus juices, you end up with a much sweeter you have like a less of a, an aggressive acidity to it it's more of a rounded out like citrus note to it and um we would finish with do the same sauces but finish with fresh citrus juices at the very end and it sent it concentrated all of those citrus notes that you're trying to achieve and artichoke bargul was like the perfect example like we would cook artichoke in those liquids we you know most of the time do it cv because it's a little bit more precise um and and then finish them with like fresh lemon juice and fresh olive oil. And that was like completely different. Like if you just cook artichokes bargul, like you get in a Scoffier book or whatever, and you make artichokes bargouls, like, yeah, that's good. But when you do, when you add like, you know, those, the, those ingredients in their purest form at the very end, it's, it's unbelievably good. I love working with artichokes so much. Nate, I think it was the last episode you were talking about, like, or the one before we were talking about how like you just love doing knife work. I, that artichoke is perfectly example. I could spend all yeah. day cleaning artichokes. Yep. I love them, and I love Me that kind too. of work. It's Me so too. good. I could whittle those bastards all day, man. Yeah. Uh, Tarver, do you remember when I was hellbent on getting my time on a case of artichokes down below fifteen minutes? I do. <laughs> yeah. I finally I got it down. I got I got a whole case cleaned in fourteen minutes. And you came over and you looked at it, you looked at it. And you're like, Jesse. I'm very proud of you. You got it down below 15 minutes. Do you think that maybe next time you could take 20 minutes and do a little bit of a better job? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, like, yeah. (laughs) I never see anybody go from so happy to so sad in such a short amount of time. You're like, I did it. Yeah, oh. you, honestly, you, had, you had a hell of a point. I was like, yes, yes, I will. I've like, I, I checked that box. I was like, I can now, I am now the guy that can clean a case of artichokes in 14 minutes, but I'm never going to do it again because it makes me clean the artichokes all shitty. But like they were clean. I just took more artichoke off than I should have. And you were like, do you think that maybe you could not do this? And I was like, yes, yes, I could not do this. <laughs> Uh, but you know j- just speaking about like layering the flavors like that's something that's really lost on a lot of young cooks it like it just r- reminds me like so your succotash is the best succotash i've ever had in my life but the reason is i think is because you would make a base you would do the long slow yes. roasted and simmered and cooked long 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 time and it was awesome but then on the pickup you do the fresh and it would do fresh corn fresh beans yes. fresh onion you know and freshen it up then you'd get that long slow simmered flavor and then all the freshness at the end like it's just that myriad and like the meddling of like yeah long and slow and fresh and new and it's really lost on a lot of young cooks and a lot of this stuff that we've talked about today like even the cooks. esters everything's lost on young cooks yeah, Agreed. but like what's lost on the young cooks and it it doesn't take more work. It just takes a little more thought, thought. a little more 
planning and just being ahead and setting yourself up for success, like little things like that, like getting ready, your station ready is the hard part, not service. That's the easy part. Getting everything in place and getting those long cooks and what you say, you've got your finger on the pulse, the science of being a cook, the absolute be all end all of being a cook is knowing what takes a long time and what takes a short time and managing your yeah. life based on applying the things that t- giving, giving mm-hmm. the things that take time enough time and giving the things that don't take enough time, the minimum amount of time you possibly can. That managing is, your time. What that is, is that's prep and service. That's all that is. It's, it's, it's managing, it's managing how long a corn cob needs to do its thing. It's managing how long a fucking short rib needs to do its thing. Like every ingredient has the time required to do its thing based on how you're going to do it. Like a short rib could take two minutes or 20 hours, depending on your, your, your whole plan. But it's all about letting each ingredient have enough time to do what it's going to do, to do what it has to do. Yeah. That's, that's cooking. Mm-hmm. That's it. There, there's there's yep. nothing like, else. Yep. I, I agree a hundred, a hundred percent. Like I'm going to go on a little Absolutely. tangent here real quick. Yeah. Go for like, it. Uh, yes. Time by definition cannot be managed you cannot manage time okay and what people need to realize is you're not managing it you're investing it you're how you spend it we all have the same 24 hours in a day and it's how you utilize Mm -hmm. that time and how you how you invest it like doing little things now like doing these things now will take seconds will save you minutes later like doing mm-hmm. things that you cannot do all of minute and fast and doing them ahead of time is the game that is the game that is restaurant cooking you, you nailed it man absolutely I know you guys know but the passage these, of- these freaking kids need to smarten up the passage, <laughs> the passage of time is literally the most predictable thing in the universe it's the yeah. one it's you the one it's the one constant. An hour is an hour. If you have an hour before service, you have one hour's worth of stuff to do. That's it. Yeah. Everyone has that same hour. Every cook on earth. And it's how you use it. It's how yeah. you set yourself up. Spending a little extra time folding your goddamn towels. Fold like, the towels. That's such a pet peeve, man. Yeah, I know slow down just a little bit it doesn't take more work it just takes a little more thought and consideration of how you're going to set yourself up yeah well, a lot of that comes with experience yeah. but this takes yep, us into does. something when tarver suggested concentration as the theme for this episode he also talked about cooks concentrating their minds so i'm going to take yes. this segue mm-hmm. and run with it because what you talk about managing time this is how to manage a prep list like when you look at a prep list, if mm-hmm. you have, if you have like a normal prep list has what, sixty to hundred things on it, and some of them are very simple, like make sure I have salt, and some of them are very complex, like make sure I have pate en croute, like salt that takes one second, pate en croute that takes four hours, but either way, like you have to you have to look at your prep list, and the first thing to do is do anything that takes more than an hour. And especially mm-hmm. if it takes half a day, like braised short ribs. And then after you check those things off, it's to do the things that take less time. And then after you do yep. the thing, after you do those things, it's the things that take under 20 minutes. And then after you do those things, it's the things that take under five minutes. 
you, you have to you have to work your way through a prep list like that. You have to organize your mind. And I think a prep list is a great not doing the things that are fun first because you want to do those things first, you know, doing the yeah. things that take the time. Yeah. Right. You're gonna and get to those fun things eventually. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a fo it's not just a focus of flavor, it's a focus of setting up and getting things ready and it's really important. It's also it's also like health stuff too. I mean, cooks are a lot of most cooks are like pirates you know I, I, we were all one of them like we were out partying all night long you know sleeping on a, on you know wooden floor or i don't know like you know we didn't sleep well we didn't take yeah. care of our feet we didn't take care of our bodies you know that kind of thing like i'm i'm all for at the end of the night letting off steam because you know you, you know like working in restaurants mm -hmm. you exert yourself you exert yourself in every single way humanly possible you know you stress yourself out to the max you're using your mental capacity to the max your physical and, and, ability and you know like it's for, for everything people, to the absolute max for people that don't understand what tk is saying like yes it's just making dinner it's not that big a deal of course said everyone not in the restaurant industry in the restaurant industry right. you have to in order to perform at the level that you need to perform at you need to force your brain into a situation where it is life and death, whether you get, yeah. whether, whether you remember to put pepper on the second side of that ribeye, like you have to force yourself into that mindset because otherwise you won't perform. It's a constant controlled yeah. crisis unless it becomes uncontrolled. That's what, and people don't get yeah. that. People don't get that. Like in order for you to get your food on time and right, the people in the kitchen are putting their brains into fight or flight mode. Uh, they're putting their brains. Yeah, in, exactly. We are in combat, and you don't get it, and that's cool. You don't have to get it, but you should. You should realize that the people that are making your dinner were panicked about making your dinner perfectly. <laughs> they, 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 terrified. They put more energy into making that dinner perfectly than you've ever put anything into in your entire life working at the library or the bank. So. You you touched on something important there, and that's one thing that when, whenever we're hiring that I look for through everything, and it's if that person is worried or not. If, you know, when you have someone staging or auditioning for a job or, you know, interviewing or anything like that, and well, that's many, I, many things that you look that's at, why uh, I one of them is if they're I'm the most scared. worried motherfucker in the history of the world. <laughs> You're paranoid, paranoid. But that just means if someone's worried, if someone's scared, if someone's nervous, that means they give a shit. And I will take someone who gives a shit yep. and has no knowledge over someone who knows everything and doesn't give a shit 100% of the time. I mean, and they, you were right. Like it is a lot going on when you're ability. cooking. Yeah. And you know, service is a stress, very stressful, very intense, um, all encompassing uh, act activity that cooks do. And that's one of the things that I fell in love with in the very first day of doing it. Cause like, you know, if you have stressful things going on at home, you know, or, you know, you have, you know, personal stuff that's stressing you out or whatever, when you're cooking, you are, that's the only thing going on in your life. It's like <laughs> the, it's a better escape than any drug out there. You've got so no I, for any of that other stuff. You can't think about anything else. <laughs> nothing and if you are then you're failing <laughs> yeah or maybe not failing but just not reaching your full potential so so just to get back to it, i i i could fully understand going out after 
doing that. I mean, we used to tear it up after work. We would go (laughs) and I have videos and pictures that I will use as blackmail over you guys if you ever try anything. (laughs) We, you know, but but my point is, is that you can't blackmail me. I don't care. I got no kids. I know you don't. What's the worst thing possible? You have no. There's nothing. You don't care. I know. There's nothing you could do to me I haven't already done. Well, <laughs> well then just please don't try anything. <laughs> but I, the, the one thing that I've, I'm older now, I mean, we all are. I'm, I'm about to turn 43. I've been yeah, doing this you, since I was 15. We're the and same age, man. <laughs> whatever. Are we? Yeah. We always oh, have Well, anyway. But, I mean, like, you know. You're a year so older my, than me. That's it. That's right. My knees hurt at the end of the night, you know, like my, you know, my back hurts sometimes. Like we, like, I don't want to be a line cook when I'm 80 years old. But my point is, is that every, you know, kids think they're immortal. Young cooks think they're immortal. And I cannot stress health strong. Busby is a perfect example of that. Uh, Lots of stories. (laughs) But um, I don't know if you remember... Dustin Busby. One time I like, bought new shoes. Dustin Busby is the guy that folded his arms and said naturally when I asked if, uh, when I pulled out the penise that was labeled penis and was like, guys, what is this? <laughs> and Bus- Busby was the one that goes, it's the penis. And I was like, spelled P E N I S. And he folded his arms and said, naturally. Uh, Busby is, Busby was the wonderkind. He was an incredibly talented, and was, I say, well, he is an incredibly talented kid. Uh, but he was super passionate. He was like, still is. He was like 18 when the rest of us were 30. Like, (laughs) and he, and he lived it. He was a fucking, uh, I mean, a warrior. Hungry. That kid was hungry. He was hungry Mm -hmm. for malt liquor. But a god damn good cook. Damn, dude, he's still killing it, man. He's at Blackberry doing yeah. doing real good. The last time I talked to him, he was their cheese master. Which I love that. Dude, he's like cheese master. Yeah. Be more cheese masters in the world. Isn't it great that that's a thing? <laughs> yeah. Blackberry's awesome, man. I, I haven't been there in so long, but they've expanded. They have like they have they bought more acreage. They're he's doing really well. Mm-hmm. I haven't. I have never. Um, I've never had a good meal in Tennessee that wasn't barbecue. Really? Although part of the reason for that is that every time I go to Tennessee, I seek out barbecue, because Tennessee is where barbecue mm-hmm. lives. Like, I just to go back and talk, say something else too. And this is something that I feel gets neglected in ninety-nine percent of all restaurants um, is the comfort of a kitchen. In South Carolina, God. Damn it, it got hot down there. I mean, like that the Woodlands kitchen was brutal. I I I understand that a kitchen needs to be to every place else I've worked in South Carolina, the Woodlands kitchen was easy. Come hang out in the social kitchen. Dude, oh my god. That needs to change. Uh, that needs to change. Owners of restaurants need to address this. Like it is much more difficult to focus. I mean, and like fine to focus. If your feet hurt, if you have a headache, if you are dehydrated, if it is too hot and you are noticing that it's like, holy shit, I'm hot. Holy shit, I'm like, you know, cleaning my face all the time. You are not 100% focused. 
Kitchens should not be 100 fucking degrees. I've been in kitchens where I have like gotten dizzy, like almost about to pass out. Like it's been so fucking hot. That needs to fucking change. Like I like I know that. Sorry, go ahead. I'll tell you right now. I used to work in New Orleans, and this one place that I worked in New Orleans that will remain nameless because I hated it. If you hear hearing this, (laughs) owner of the man, I know what it is. I hate you. Um. The the, the the air conditioner in the kitchen went out over the summer. And so you walked in the door, you would immediately sweat through your shirt. Like I used to wear a chef jacket over a t-shirt. I never got into the whole no undershirt thing. I know some chefs do that. I just never got into it. My nipples are sensitive and tender and I need to have something on. Nipple chafe. Nipple chafe is a real thing. So I would always wear a white t-shirt. And my white t-shirt would be soaked through immediately while walking into the kitchen. Like I'm saying, if my shift started at two, of course I get there at one, and by one oh eight, my shirt is sweated through. And so, uh, like, I got to the point where I got home, and my back just itched. And she came to scratch it, and she's like, "Oh my god!" And I was like, "What?" She's like, "You have lizard skin." And I'm like, "I don't know what you're talking about because I'm a dude and I don't think about skin." And she's like, no, your skin is so dry. Apparently having a, sw- a salt-soaked shirt on your back for, yeah. a, for a 12-hour shift. You know, I, I, I would go in there at 1. I'd gather at midnight, so an 11-hour shift. Uh, apparently having a salt-soaked shirt dries your skin out. And she's like, I know why you're itching. Your skin is dry and, uh, because of the, the having a salt-soaked shirt on it. And I was like, this can't be. I got to go to the doctor. And she's like, no, you don't. And she went and just got some like Neutrogena lotion and just smeared it on my back. And I was just like, the itch went away immediately. And she, she, yeah, that stuff's awesome. she put a whole handful of lotion in. And then five minutes later, she did it again. And my skin was just drinking in this moisture because it had been totally dried out. Like I was curing myself like a goddamn sausage because it was so mm-hmm. goddamn hot in that kitchen. I was, it was so hot in the kitchen. Yeah. Like, I mean, we all get the like, we all get the sweats. We all get the dizzy. But in this case, I actually had severe, like, dry skin issues because it was so fucking hot. Uh, so, yeah, I absolutely agree. Yeah. Like, treating your cooks. Well, I can guarantee you weren't. Hmm? Yeah, it, I guarantee you're not focusing to your fullest potential in an environment like that. And I, no, I, I, I don't want to sound like I, – I, I know that – yeah, like I know, like there's a lot of you know cooks out there, like oh, you gotta be a warrior and I'm fucking your pussy, like can't fucking hang and handle the heat. Yeah, I have worked in the heat. I know the heat. You, you, the food is suffering. Like the cuisine suffers if the cooks are not able to concentrate and focus on their jobs. And that's I like I'm all about like so emotional. It's so emotional. Yeah. It's so physical. It's so mental. And if you're not fully functioning like if you didn't get a good night's sleep if you're fucking starving like if you're starving and you know like you haven't eaten all day you haven't drinking all day you're shaking because all you've had is caffeine like you gotta take care of yourself you're not doing anybody any favors you're not cooking good these owners like oh when they build kitchens like there needs to be you don't make money on the kitchen you don't have you can't seat people in the kitchen that's expensive real estate and expensive square footage but you got to take care of the engine room man if you're not going to run the engine is not working right yep you're absolutely right absolutely right you're 100 for so many owners for so many owners the cooks are the morlocks 
we're back there like you know just doing our thing what's a morlock um from the novel the time machine uh the morlocks were the people that lived under the earth like such a nerd you are such a nerd <laughs> what, whatever verticus <laughs> no, all right uh, the uh touche touche the, the kitchen people were the second class citizens we were the ones who were like shoveling coal and like you know what owner you're not gonna get anywhere without us and actually that takes us to this is sort of a callback to when nate and i had a discussion about how bad the labor situation is getting because all of a sudden yeah after the pandemic all the cooks went out and looked for other career options and they found them and now they're like, no, restaurant, you need to pay me 15 bucks an hour. At least. You need to pay me 20 bucks an hour. And the restaurants are like, oh, nobody wants to work. It's like, nah, Jack, nobody wants to work for you. That's where we're at. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's, it, it's an interesting situation. I will always keep cooking. I will keep writing about cooking. I will keep talking about cooking. Unless someone throws a lot of money at me. And it's going to take a lot. <laughs> I mean, but you've done it enough that that skill set is in your, it's in muscle memory, it's in your brain. I mean, oh my God, it would yeah. be like, you know, getting back on a bike. It's a perishable skill. Like cooking is a perishable skill. Like if you're not sharp, but you know, once you've been doing it so long, you know, it gets more ingrained in you. So I'm actually maybe the best expediter in the history of the universe. That's kind of something I'm really good at, which is important because I'm not a particularly good line cook. I'm a very, very good prep cook. I'm a very good expediter and I'm an okay line cook. And you guys have both been my executive chef. You both got to admit, as a line cook, I'm okay. True? You're s strongly decent. <laughs> I'm strongly decent. Nah, you did good, show. man. And no, I Come on, dude. You did it's, good. No, it's, You're I'm, a good line cook. He's so, he's so hard and such a dick. I know. This. He is a You're good such a, line He's your damn good line cook. You are both. You're a fucking asshole to yourself, dude. You're both way better line cooks than me. You took up more space than other line cooks, but you are a good <laughs> line cook, dude. <laughs> you're, you're messier than us, but you're no worse. <laughs> Okay, but anyway, anyway, the, the, the point that I'm coming around to is while I'm not necessarily the best line cook, I am absolutely the best expediter. In a pinch, I'll do anything. And that's a cook thing to say. Like, at a, uh, yep. I was, in a pinch, I will, I, in a pinch, I will wash dishes. In a pinch, I will wait tables. In a pinch, I will do literally anything that's necessary because every cook will do anything that's necessary if they're any goddamn good at all. Yeah. Yeah. It's agree. It's uh, like it's, good ethic, man. It's this mili it's this military mentality. Like I, w I, I mean, I, I learned that I had an assistant manager job, and the owner of the restaurant was always like, "Cut the hostess as soon as you can," and I was like, "Okay, I'll host," because hostessing seems easy. Yeah, it's really not at a high volume place. Hostessing is not easy at all, and I had to get good at it and. Holy shit, hostessing is crowd control. Like, there there were these people, and they were like, we want to eat. And I was like, I don't have any place to put you. And they were like, well, we're going to be really annoying about it. And I was like, okay, uh, that's not going to make more tables happen. And then that, that <laughs> all the time, every Saturday and every Sunday for four hours was just me juggling tourist dickheads and being like me telling them that there was not a place <laughs> to them, and then them telling me that they were committed to eating here 
and me being like, okay, well, that'll be an hour and a half wait, and they've been like, no, fuck off. And it was, Ugh. it was just that all the time. So, <laughs> so strengths and strengths and weaknesses, though, like, like I'm not a great expediter because I'm dyslexic, but I've learned to manage that that weakness of me. So it's about it's okay to rely on your strengths, but you need to learn to manage your weaknesses. Don't let it defeat yep. you. Don't let yeah. it like totally cripple you don't don't shy away from them like learn learn you have to learn like if you're weak at something you got to learn how to manage it oh or it will defeat you because it's going to come up and i yeah. don't so, i don't want to you know I don't like something confused. young cooks need to learn to do it, great it, point yeah i don't know if, i don't know if you guys noticed but i was actually able to hold a station down at the best restaurant in the carolinas <laughs> we saw it dude remember because you guys were <laughs> both my, you guys were both my boss <laughs> you don't get it boy oh, you don't get it boy i try well that, that this was a fun conversation ladies and gentlemen we're gonna have to cut this off here because we are running out of time and tarver has to go do uh, adult stuff uh but thank you for listening to hot dogs and caviar speakeasy's gonna play us out of here uh i would like to say thank you very much love you guys for joining us again tarver tarver love you, Superman man. king uh, also, Nate Spin Cake Whiting. Nate, say hey. Hey, hey. I'll line you up and knock your jaw off. So I have been. Yeah. Nice little spin cake. Nice little spin cake. <laughs> On that note, I have been the mouth of the South, Jesse Sutton. And we are out of here, but come join us next week for more talking about, you know, hot dogs and caviar and Tito's and tater tots and all that Food. stuff. All right. Cheers, y'all. The grand cuisine. Cheers. <laughs>